It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on Cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what, though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read. Uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everybody, welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Doug Maurice. Doug, how are you? What's up? Thanks for having me back. <laughs> All right. Uh, just so you know, uh, if you're sitting in the waiting room or if you're coming in uh, to ask a question, because this is our Texter Tuesday edition of the pod, so we have some of our Football Insider subscribers uh, coming in to ask us questions. Uh, do us a Make sure you uh, keep yourself muted. And also stay off video until you ask a question because uh, some of you may know we put these up as YouTube videos, little segments here, and it just makes it a little easier uh, if we can kind of control what we're seeing on our screen here. And I'm already fumbling around with the buttons. As you guys probably noticed, I muted myself there. I highlighted (laughs) somebody's videos. So you give me a mini bye weekend and I can't do anything anymore. All right, let's get to it though. The first question we're gonna go to is actually gonna be uh, a question that was texted to us. And I wanna start here because a couple people asked. They wanted to ask about 
Austin Hooper because he's been a little bit quiet so far to start this season. And, and obviously, he is a guy who was one of their biggest signings. He's someone who is considered to be very important to this offense. So there were a couple questions about how Austin Hooper will get involved in this offense moving forward. So let's start there, Mary Kay. Are you worried about Austin Hooper right now, or is this something that's just going to develop over time? Well, I think it will develop over time, but I think the thing to note uh, when we're watching this new offense come together is that they've got a lot of mouths to feed. There's so many weapons on this offense that the numbers that we've seen before for some of these offensive stars where they end up going to their Pro Bowls with, you know, 75 catches, 100 catches, and all these touchdowns and everything – uh, you know, that just might be a little bit hard to come by uh, because obviously you've got Odell, you've got Jarvis. I mean, not every week everyone's going to get nine catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. It's just going to be impossible. This past week, Austin Hooper for the second straight week only had two receptions. Jarvis, I think, had like three. Uh, you know, it's just it's going to be difficult to spread the ball around and make everybody happy every week so i don't want to discourage people from asking questions because isn't it wonderful <laughs> to be able to interact with our tech subscribers this way but i do think at some point to mary Kay's point i think all of us and i'm as guilty of it as anybody but at all of us at some point just have to get like that's not the point to mary Kay said and I, i've joked about it for two years too many good players like, this is what happens when you have a lot of options. And so, I don't know. Do you want to have, do you want to throw less to Odell? Do you want to run Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt less? Do you want Jarvis less involved? This is what the deal is. And so, you look last year in 13 games in Atlanta, Austin Hooper had, had four targets once. Every other game, he had more than four targets. So far with the Browns, he had two targets in week one and four targets in week two. So, he is being used far less than he was in Atlanta. But did they win? Like, like, did they win? Did they score 35 points against the Bengals? Did the offense look better? Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I think it is going to be like this. Certainly we all expect the tight ends will be more involved along the line, but I think everybody probably every week, if we want to write it or if we want to talk about it, we can find the who didn't get the ball enough guy of the week. But if it happened in a loss, then I think it's a good question. Should that guy, could he have contributed to winning more? If it's in a win, it might be like, sorry, man, your turn's coming. But I do think Austin Hooper will get more involved to what Mary Kay said. He's and, certainly going to be more involved than he was the first two weeks. Yeah. And you know what? I, I also think that we also, we need to just keep this game in a little bit of perspective, just like we should have uh, the Baltimore game. I mean, it, it's pretty, getting pretty obvious that Baltimore, even though we kind of knew this heading in, is a really darn good football team. And we also know that the Bengals are somewhat challenged. Uh, they were very challenged on defense. They were the number 32 ranked defense in the NFL last year. And in this particular game, they didn't have uh, their best defensive player in Geno Atkins. They didn't have uh, his replacement in Mike Daniels. They had some issues in this game for a defense that wasn't good to begin with. Uh, so, you know, I think that we don't really know exactly what the Browns are yet. And we're not going to know for about three or four more weeks. Then I think we're going to have a really, really good idea of what you have on your hands. And they're going to have a better idea too. Because the truth of the matter is right now is Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski, 
are just seeing their players play together for the very first time. They don't even know how, they didn't know how Kareem and Nick were going to work together. They didn't know how Austin Hooper was going to be covered by the defense when you've got Odell and Jarvis on the field. Now they're just starting to see how this is going to play out. Can I also make a quick point of information on this? Um, you know who was second on the Browns and targets on Thursday night? Austin Hooper. There you go. <laughs> Odell had six. Hooper had four. Jarvis, three. Harrison, Bryant, Kareem Hunt, Kaderil Hodge, two each. And then Chubb and Janovich, one each. So they only threw it 21 times. I know. I mean, he only too. completed 16 passes. So it, it's, it, it had a different vibe to it. I'm like, it felt more explosive offensively than it was. And that's largely, I think, because uh, of the running game, just pounding it out there. Uh, but, you know, truthfully, they just didn't pass the ball that much. You know, and Mary Kay, I think you make a good point that, you know, look, I'm not going to complain that we have football games to watch and like actual things on the field to judge. But you're right. This team has played the Baltimore Ravens, you know, one of the two or three best teams in football. And they played the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the two or three worst teams in football. And I don't know that we're going to see a lot against Washington because they might be one of the, you know, probably not at the level of the Bengals and the Jets and teams like that, but they're not a great football team either, to be honest. So, you know, the Browns did what they were supposed to do against the Bengals. They won. I guess they kind of did what they were supposed to do against the Ravens. They didn't go to Baltimore and win that game with no preseason, no offseason program to speak of. It's just really hard to get a feel for where this team is in the pecking order right now. So some of these questions are, are a little bit tough to really answer. Uh, but that being said, we're going to start bringing in some of our Football Insider subscribers. And I'm going to start with uh, the first person who jumped into our room here. I'm going to hit the ask to unmute here for uh, Helen. If you get that notification and you want to ask a question, go for it. If you don't unmute here in a second, I'm going to move on. Uh, so we are going to go to John, who is sitting here watching and had jumped on video there momentarily. Uh, John, I asked you to unmute. There you go. Uh, if you want to start your video, you can, if you're able to, and you can ask your question. Go for it. I just don't know. What do you, what do you think? What do you, what do you see with Washington coming up? They got an elite defensive line. Uh, how's the run game? And the passing game going to, like, materialize against this line. I think we're going to do okay, and I think we're going to win the game. And I heard you allude to the fact that they were, you know, they might be above where Cincinnati is right now. Just where do you see your lines on the game coming up? That's it. Well, I'll start, I'll start off here just because I, I, I've watched both of Washington get Washington's games so far. Uh, and that was something this morning I watched the first three quarters of the Arizona game. Um, that pass rush is really good, and Chase Young looks really good. Uh, but I'm not really worried about Washington, to be honest. Their offense is not very good. All they've been able to do is, you know, they haven't been able to score outside of garbage time if they haven't gotten the ball, you know, in really great field position. Uh, so the Browns should be able to win this football game. But I, I do want to see how Baker deals with that pass rush if it shows up like it did against Philly. Chase Young's good. I can attest to that. Um, I do think this is one of those Jack Conklin – Getting Jack Conklin back if he plays this week, it feels like a, a, an important game uh, to have him back. And th this is one of those games where if this was last 
year's offensive line, I would think the Browns should have some more concerns. But this Jedrick Wills has played well. Am I? Do we do we agree on that? That he's looked pretty yeah. good as a rookie two games in. Chris Hubbard played well in replacing Jack Conklin last week. Jack Conklin, we know, is a good player. Wyatt Teller has been awesome. And we know what Petonio and Treader are all about. I think the Browns will be up to this task. That pass rush is, and we've seen it, not to make this an Ohio State podcast, but Nick Bosa as a rookie defensive end a year ago helped the Niners get to the Super Bowl. Chase Young, I think, might be better than Nick Bosa. He's, he's right there. And when you have a young pass rusher like that, that can change your team very quickly. But I do think it's going to be one of these, you know, they're not going to stop the Browns every, every possession, but I do think the Browns should be able to outscore what I think is a somewhat limited to Dan's point, Washington offense, right? I don't know that this one's going to be 35 30, but I don't think the Browns are going to give up into the thirties against this Washington offense. And so they don't have to score 35 chase young is legit. No, he has all the moves. He has all the athleticism. So I obviously be on alert for that. You know, a guy like Chase Young can wreck a football game for you, obviously. We saw Nick Chubb. I mean, we saw Nick Bosa wreck the game last year for the Browns. So a guy like that can certainly do it. And uh, now, again, you're right, Doug. They've got a much better offensive line than they did last year. However, this is a very well-coached football team that they're coming up against. And he will identify ways to attack a weakness. This is a much better defensive front than what they just faced against the Bengals, okay? They just weren't that challenged. You know, Geno Atkins missing, you know, that's kind of like the, the Browns taking Miles Garrett off the field for them. It's sort of like that. They didn't have anybody that was going to strike fear into you along that defensive front. That's different this week. And, and like I said, one guy – you know, well-coached, well-placed to, to go out there and, and try to find any little weakness that he can find, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a factor this week. So they're going to have to account for him. And I, I do think that, I mean, I think they're going to win the game. I do think that. Um, but again, I think they're very, very well-coached. And I think that these guys will not make it look uh, as easy as the Bengals did. 35 runs, 23 passes last week for the Browns. I wonder if they wind up leaning on the run even more against a pass rush like this. And they leaned on the run a lot last week. Yeah, and, and John has a, a, a little follow-up that he put in the chat here just asking how he thinks the Browns' defense responds. And that's, that's what I'm really going to watch for in this game. Uh, the Browns don't want to be the first defense that starts letting Washington start, put together, start putting together long drives. Um, if, if Washington is moving the ball with ease – against this defense, then I'm, I'm going to be a little concerned, especially because we know that they're starting to get some of their pieces back on that defensive side of the ball. Um, so I would hope that this defense is going to be able to make life hard on, on Dwayne Haskins and company. Uh, so let's, let's, I'll jump ahead. in just real quick for one second, because it, like everybody the Browns played went to Ohio State. It, it <laughs> is interesting uh, on that side of the ball, you know, Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins once had a quarterback battle at Ohio State. and Dwayne Haskins beat Joe Burrow out and Joe Burrow left and went to LSU. Joe Burrow is much more mobile than Dwayne Haskins. So to go from Lamar Jackson in week one to Joe Burrow in week two to Dwayne Haskins in week three is a gradual progression of maybe we can sack this guy. So I would imagine Miles Garrett, you know, what, what Burrow is really smooth, I think, moving around in the pocket, and he's a good athlete. He'll get out and run. Dwayne Haskins is much more limited. 
I think, in his ability to escape. And so as much as Chase Young is going to get after it, this feels like a week where Miles Garrett and the Browns defensive line can get after it. Okay, let's get to our next, uh, our next question. Uh, Shannon is uh, waiting to get in here. I hit the ask to unmute there. So Shannon, if you're uh, paying attention, want to unmute, go for it. Uh, but until then, we're going to go over to Terry, who is also a regular here on our Texter Tuesdays. Terry, go ahead. Okay, my uh, one question I have is, is the uh, specialty teams again. On the kickoffs, we had uh, two kickoffs returned to the 40 and one to the 45. We had another one that went out of bounds, so they got in the 40. And every one of those times Cincinnati scored, we can't have this. And we have the same, even though we had a different kicker, we had lousy kick coverage. And kick, why can't they kick it out of the end zone? <laughs> you, you know what, Terry? The special teams have been awful the first couple of weeks. I mean, they've just been horrible. Those returns, unacceptable. And pretty much almost everything that happened special teams-wise in the first game was not okay. And it's really puzzling because Mike Prefer has been here. He's, he's a really good special teams coordinator. Uh, you know, my only theory is that, you know, perhaps the, uh, you know, just the stress and the strain of having so many defensive guys out uh, that it's, it's taken its toll on coverage, on, on special teams. It's just kind of trickled down into special teams, but they have got to get that figured out. And I'm sure uh, that Mike Prefer has, has really put a heavy emphasis on shoring up these special teams problems because they have been a liability. And I think a part of this too is, is they're, you know, what they're trying to do ideally is you have a guy field the ball a yard deep in the end zone and bring it out and you cover the kick and get the guy down at the 20 or something like that. And you, you get five yards. Unfortunately, they're not covering the kicks very well. So I, I just think we've kind of reached the point where it's time to stop being cute and just do what you need to do to boot the ball out of the back of the end zone and, and let them take over at the 25. This is one area where I didn't think it would be a big issue. I thought their special teams were much better last year. I was a little concerned about the kicking game coming in. But other than that, I thought they'd be able to cover kicks pretty well. And so far, they just haven't been able to. I think that's – I like the way you phrase that, Dan. Stop being cute. Right. I mean, it's you're trying to get gain an extra five yards and you're giving up an extra 15. I think that is exactly where you're supposed to be. And, and you know, again, Mike Prefer's done it for a long time. At some point, though, and we're only two games in, but if the special teams are playing terrible, are, are you a great special teams coach? I don't know. I mean, like, I get it. Mary Kay, your point is very well taken. Right. I mean, th the losses have a domino effect and all of a sudden. Tavier Thomas, who is not very good on defense, now can't play special teams as much or whatever, and it has, but also like you know, come on, man, let's go. I mean that 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 will lose you a game. That will lose you a game at some point, and I do think the Browns are very possibly going to have the kind of season where that is the difference between making the playoffs or not. So like, it, I love that this was brought up by a texter because it might be the difference between making the playoffs and not making it. Yeah, I mean, even Kaderil Hodge playing more on offense. I mean, he was always, you know, pretty good on, on special teams. Tavier, as you mentioned, uh, playing as the nickelback. Now, he won't be the nickelback this week. Uh, so he can get back there and, and make those stops and those tackles, and he won't be winded and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I think it should probably be better this week. But, again, one of the biggest disappointments of the first two weeks. And Doug, to your point, 
if you give Washington short fields, that's when they can be successful. And, and you just, you can't allow that to happen this week because the, you want to talk about the difference between making the playoffs and not, you get upset by a team like Washington. That, that's a loss that could haunt you down the road, uh, especially at this point in the season. A uh, question from Drew in, in Idaho uh, via text. When will we finally start to see production out of the high-priced Olivier Vernon? It seems like he's a non-factor on this team due to injury. Would it be better to cut ties and save the cap space? And this is a really good question because the Browns obviously, you know, Mary Kay made the decision that they wanted to stick with Vernon this year. They restructured his contract. They didn't go sign Jadavian Clowney. They didn't trade for Yannick Ngakwe. They decided to run with Olivier Vernon. It's not really an area they addressed in the draft. Uh, and, and here we are. We, we kind of know at this point with Vernon, he's going to miss games. Now, I thought last year he was productive, even if the stats weren't there. He was productive before he got injured in Denver. But if you can't count on him to be out there every week, you have to start wondering how you kind of move forward here. Well, I think it's important to note that although they didn't end up with Jadavian Clowney and they didn't end up with Yannick Nagakawe, they tried to get those guys. Right. And not only did they try to get them, they made Jadavian Clowney the best offers that he had from any other football team. It didn't work out because he wanted to play, you know, he had other teams that were higher on his list than the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so that didn't work out for, for that reason. Uh, Yannick, that didn't work out because he was in the middle of an agent switch and it was taking too long and uh, there were compensation issues. And in the end, the Browns decided we, we've got to like kind of set these other things aside and move on with our plan. And Olivier Vernon has waited patiently for a decision from us and we can't keep this guy on hold forever. So let's go ahead, restructure his contract. He's been the good soldier. Let's give him what he deserves. And so they did that, but it wasn't for lack of trying to replace him and upgrade the position. Now I do think that Adrian Claiborne is going to make a significant impact this season. We watched him every day in training camp and he, I mean, just even like going through the bags, he just looked explosive and, and ready to go. And I think uh, that that bore out in the very first game, in the very first quarter. He looked like he was ready to make an impact for this football team. Olivier Vernon, I went to practice today. He's again on the sidelines with an abdominal injury. So will he play this week? I, I don't know. Um, but they were trying to do the right thing. They were trying to kind of move ahead and just get the show on the road. And we'll see how it turns out. I don't know, like, you're missing a bunch of games and the guy who replaces you, like, is, you're better off when that guy I, – I just have not – I have not really loved Olivier Vernon since he's been here. Um, we all know the history. 2017, he missed four games. 2018, he missed five games. Last year, he missed six games. Here you are. He's missed one of the first two. If he continues on his track, just by the math, he will miss seven games this year. So, I, I mean, I don't this – is, this is like dead money to me. Like this is what, I mean, Dan, I'm not, I'm not disputing. And I know you guys, you know, are smarter than me and that there is a way to be productive. Right. And you play off each other with miles and it's not all about just stats or whatever, but I mean, this guy's getting a lot of money and he's not going to be getting a lot of money from the Browns in the future. And I think when they take his money and spend it elsewhere, it will be better spent. But I think it's very frustrating. Um, I mean, thankfully for the Browns, you know, when you see how everything worked out that they traded Kevin Zeitler to get Vernon and now it looks like Wyatt Teller looks like a pro bowler playing that right guard spot. And they finally figured that out after right guard was such a problem last year. 
th- that's been patched up. But I, I think this has been very disappointing. And when you can't rely on a guy to be on the field, whether it's, you know, his fault or not, but I see John mentioning Port Augustine. It's like, you just, you're paying this guy, whatever you're paying him to make a huge difference. And he just does not make a huge difference. And I'm not sure anybody should, should expect that he will make a huge difference the rest of the year. You got to be available, you know, and look, and look, Port Augustine looked really good on Thursday night, but you also don't want to leave yourself in a position where you're counting on guys like, like Port Augustine. Uh, you know, you, you want that guy to be a guy you find who ends up being a, ni- a nice luxury and you put him out there, but you, you don't want to have to write that name in pen necessarily until he starts to do it, you know, over and over again. And that's the difference. That's the difference between being a Super Bowl team and being like kind of good. Puster, Port Augustine can be kind of good for teams that go seven and nine, but when you're going, when you're in the playoffs and you're fighting to, to, to do something with the season, then you have big time guys doing big time things. And then their backups are also, Hey, pretty good. I think you're exactly right, Dan. I mean, that's it. Uh, who wants to be great. Port Augustine. Awesome. I don't want to rely on Port Augustine. I want Port Augustine to be a bonus. So that's why I'm just so frustrated about Vernon. Well, you know, I never dreamt that they would bring him back at $15 million a year. And I kept saying that over and over and over. It didn't make sense to me. And of course, he's in the last year of his deal and they restructured. He's making 11 million guaranteed uh, this season, but uh, health is an issue and he's getting up there in age. I think for them that they actually do though, uh, have some contingency plans that are pretty good in place right now in terms of Adrian Porter they have a pretty good rotation that they can get going. Who knows how long he's going to be out. An abdominal injury to me sounds like it could be a couple of weeks kind of a thing. And just to reinforce, and I don't mean to get caught up in money, but it's a roster allocation and how you choose to spend your money is so important to being a successful team. Olivier Vernon, as Mary Kay said, he's a, you're on the hook for him for $11 million this year. Adrian Claiborne, who Mary Kay, when you talk about Adrian Claiborne, you're talking about him almost with the same kind of Yes. Description you talk about Olivier Vernon. He's making 2.25. Right. So right. your $11 million dude, if you're going to be good, should not be as good as the 2.25 million guy who you were able to sign without a problem. That's the issue. He should be right. much better than that. And the, and the only reason why they, they did that, uh, I think, is because they're willing to overspend on edge rushers. Edge rushers are, you know, a premium position and they're willing to allocate their, their resources to them. But I always thought that that was a little bit of a stretch. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm going to tell everybody about our sponsor, Keeps. And then uh, get your hot takes ready, because we got a couple of really good questions sitting there from our texters uh, that were sent in to us. And I, I really like them. They should be some fun. That's coming on the other side. And back on our Texter Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is a fun question from the four, from the 773 area code. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks in the AFC North and, and sort of how this division looks. And, and there's you know three young quarterbacks now, and then there's a very old quarterback as well. This person wants to know if you were running a team and had to pick an AFC North quarterback for just one year, which is kind of an interesting qualifier, how would you rank the four? So I guess this isn't like uh, if you were building a team or if you were whatever, it's just, I guess, if you were coming into this year and looking to win football games, rank the four quarterbacks. How should we do this? Should we go fantasy draft style here? Should somebody get the number one pick? <laughs> Harry Kay, who's your number one pick? 
you know, I would go with Lamar. I would go with Lamar Jackson if I had to win this year, not just because of what he can do with his much improved arm. I was very impressed with that. His passing was really good. Uh, but uh, obviously what he can do with his legs. And I mean, he's just such an incredible dual threat quarterback that right now, just with the with where they are all this season, and if I had this year to make that pick, that's my guy. I, I mean, I keep watching Lamar. And, and like I watched him yesterday against Houston. Obviously, we watched him against Cleveland. And I, and I just keep waiting for something. Now, obviously, he's had the playoff struggles, right? That's, I guess that's the one hole you poke right now. I keep waiting for something to tell me this guy's not the best quarterback in the AFC North. And I, I just don't see things. And he's gotten so much better, too. I mean, the, the way he's throwing the football this year is so much better than when he threw it last year, where he was so much better than he was the year before. And that's the thing that's scariest about him is he keeps coming back every year better and better. And I think he's only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's scary to think about how Lamar Jackson could still even get better from where he is now. I, I think it's – Doug, is there any argument to make against Lamar? No, I was hoping you'd give me the first pick so I could tell you Lamar and then you guys could handle the rest of the hard I stuff. wanted to give you the tough one. <laughs> no, Lamar's great. But I don't know who's next. Like, I don't know who's next. That's tough. Like, right now, right now, who's next? Because I've been doing this young quarterback ranking uh, for the first two weeks of the season. There's 16 starters. Justin Herbert would make it 17 if the Chargers actually decided to play him, who have been drafted in the last four years. Half the league is playing old quarterbacks. Half the league is playing young quarterbacks. And that list to me is, who would you trade for the guy above you? If somebody's ranked ahead of you, it means that the team that you're on right now would say, yeah, we'll trade our guy for that guy, which is why Patrick Mahomes is number one. Because if the, if the Chiefs called the Ravens right now and said, hey, we'll give you Mahomes for Lamar, I think the, the Ravens would say, okay, we'll take Patrick Mahomes. I have Joe Burrow ahead of Baker Mayfield on that list. Because if the Bengals called the Browns today and said, we'll give you Burrow for Baker, the Browns would do it. Now, that's, that's about who you're going to be long-term. Who would I take right now to win, like try to make the playoffs this year? We saw Burrow make some rookie mistakes, understandable right? Trying to call a timeout and the snap goes past you. Stuff like that. Young guy stuff. Ben, Ben looks like a robot Sasquatch, man. He (laughs) threw a touchdown pass the other day. He looked like he was 90 years old. He looped it up in the air, but it was like right where it needed to be. It was a perfect throw for a touchdown. So tie, tie for second among three guys because Baker's like in between, right? I mean, Joe's coming. Joe is coming, but Joe's a rookie. Ben's been there, but Ben is like, like he's kind of holding it together pretty well. I think the Steelers are going to have a good offense this year and Baker's in the middle. I don't, and I don't know where Baker's going. So pass. You know what? Let me ask you this. Is this question framed as though you are taking the team that the quarterback is currently playing on, or are you plopping this quarterback into the team, into the Browns? Right. I mean, like, because, Mm. In that case, it would be a lot easier for me to make the decision on probably who number two or number three is. I mean, I think right now Joe Burrow is, is very, very, very intriguing. And if you put him – so I, I almost think it would be between Ben and Joe for number two. That would be the tie for me if you were plopping them on the Browns roster. John, John is in the chat saying you need to let us answer as well. Fire away if, if you want to jump in that chat and, uh, and give us your answer. I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Um, this is a really – here, John, you're unmuted. Go for it. 
All right, Terry, 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 come on now. Ben Roethlisberger is a two-time Super Bowl champion. Like, are we talking about this year? Like, I mean, I realize he's coming off that injury with the elbow. But if I'm going to take a guy, I'm going to take him. He's been there. He's done it. And it's really hard to, like, duplicate any kind of Super Bowl performance. Lamar's never – he's not even won a playoff game in two years. That's it. Are you so arguing you take uh, Ben over Lamar? I would. I would. Not not this year. Are we talking about this year, this season, right now? We're talking about – yeah, I mean, you're, you got to win this year. I think that's, that's, that's the question. you got to win this year. I mean, Lamar has not won – he's not even won a playoff game. He's been in the playoffs <laughs> once. He was the MVP last year. Ben Twice. looks like he's 80. He's been to the playoffs twice. Get your facts right, right, on that. <laughs> and he lost both games. I will take my playoff team with Lamar Jackson, and you can have your playoff team with Ben Roethlisberger. And we can I mean, I, I really do like Lamar. I really do. I mean, I really do. He's got everything you want. But when he comes down to the crunch time, I don't know. I don't know. So, Jury's out. So here's, here's the case I would make for Ben. Because I, I was thinking about making the case for Ben. N- number one or number two? Number two. Number two, okay. not number one. Uh, the case I would make for Ben, though, I, I guess for either spot would be you believe he's going to be the guy that led the, the league in passing yards a couple years ago before he got hurt. And I don't know if that's a question we can answer yet because he's only played two games since coming back from the injury. We don't know where that arm's at. Uh, you know, if, if we get to week 10 and he's built that arm strength back up and he's looking like, Ben Roethlisberger of old, well, then you can make the clear-cut case that he's number two, and then you can really start making the case that uh, maybe you would want Ben number one just because he's won in the playoffs and, and he's won some Super Bowls. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. If, if it's a win, if it's you're trying to win this year, I think it's between Baker and Ben for number two. And I Because I, I don't want to throw the rookie out there. And I think I would probably go with Ben. Not probably. I would go with Ben over Baker. I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're going to go for, like, bottom line, like where your franchise is going from now, Lamar Jackson's the clear-cut case to go for. Like, but if you're trying to win right now, this year, I'm just going to have to lean the big band because he has been to the playoffs. He's been to the Super Bowl twice. And it's a different style when you get to the playoffs, guys. That's just it. John, I think you make a great. I think you make a great point. I, I, I actually think you make a great point because thirty-eight. I've watched, but I've watched him play obviously and just kill the Browns these all these years. And he is a future Hall of Famer. And there is something to be said for wisdom and experience. Uh, and yes, right now he's working his way back in, and he does look a little long in the tooth right now, uh, but. As the season goes along, he might just get hotter and hotter. I, I don't think it's a crazy premise at all. At all. Thank you. All right. Let's, let's move on to the, the next question that got thrown out here. Um, this, uh, this is really simply a yes or no. Uh, let me see if I can find it here so I can give uh, the, the right person credit. This is Gary in Arizona. Uh, does Odell Beckham Jr. make it past the trade deadline this year? Yes or no? I say yes. I say he's on the Browns after the trade deadline. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes in part because, number one, the Browns really don't want to trade him, and I've been saying that all along since stuff came out uh, after, after the Baltimore game. Um, and then the other thing is he has a very high salary. He's got a very, very, very high salary, and there's just not a whole lot of teams, I think, that are, are going to be able to or be willing to, uh, to pay that kind of money. Now, having said that, if – if, if, if Cam Newton really needs a guy like Odell and, and really wants to have a guy like Odell and Bill Belichick thinks that it makes sense, you know, they might be a team that could pull this off knowing that they would probably, you know, be able to extend him and, and wrap him up and give him a little bit more guaranteed money after the season and all that kind of stuff. If something like that happened uh, and they made the Browns an offer that they couldn't refuse, it's, you know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. What would that offer be from Belichick? Like a second rounder and a backup punter? Like what? Yeah. He's not, I would not, I would hang up on Bill Belichick every time he called because before he could work his Jedi mind tricks on trying to talk the Browns in the trade, Odell Beckham Jr. So Cam Newton has someone to throw to. I just don't, I, I mean, I, you took your shot on this. I think we were all on board when John Dorsey made this deal. Um, the, the idea of not even giving it a full year in the Kevin Stefanski offense is just like, I, I don't know what we're doing. So, I mean, you know, I, I can't, I would not even, I would not even entertain it because to me, you, there's no, you'd be getting 50 cents on the dollar. And then like, what are, what are you trying to do? I, I would just, I think you've, you, your lot is in, it's in with OBJ and you got to get through this year at least. Well, the, you know, the, the case, to do something like that. And we don't know how this is going to play out over the next few weeks, but if it becomes evident that, that he and Baker really aren't connecting well, and it's not going to get much better. And you know, that maybe next year you were going to part ways anyways, and you could get something out of them and shave a little bit money of money off the cap. And it's the law of diminishing returns. And he's still trying to force the, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other factors that go into play. Uh, if it seems like, you can get something out of this situation and salvage it, then, you know, that might be a reason to think about it. And I, I still think the potential is there. You know, I've, we've been saying this for so long now, it feels like, but the potential is still there. And we saw it on, uh, we saw it on Thursday night. Odell can make that one play, right? He can make that one play. Doug, you talk about the difference between winning and losing a game sometimes. Odell is still a receiver that can make that one play that can make a difference. The Browns won that game by five points. That was an important touchdown. And I don't know how many receivers can kind of make that play. And I, I think that was a great example of Kevin Stefanski really scheming that play into existence. He did a lot of things to get that one-on-one -on -one matchup for Odell. And when they got it, they took advantage of it. And the Browns don't have another receiver that can do that. Jarvis Landry's not that fast. Kaderil Hodge isn't doing that. He's not making that play. Uh, nobody else, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones can't even get active right now, so he's not making that play. Odell's really the only guy on this team that can make that play. So if you can just keep this thing together, keep everybody happy, there might come a moment where Odell makes a big difference-making play for you. And I do believe that certainly Odell has some effect on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt finding some room to run because defenses have to respect the fact that Odell Beckham's hanging around out there. And I don't know if we, if we as good as this offensive line seems like it might be uh, a world where nobody is scared of the Browns passing game is a world where you can all of a sudden really sell out to stop the run game. 
Okay. Uh, I think that'll do it. John telling us to give some offensive line uh, some love. They did look pretty good. Did we talk about that on this pod or was that another pod that we were recording earlier? I get them all, I get them all confused. <laughs> we were recording something fourth. earlier and I know we brought up the offensive line. This is my fourth <laughs> podcast today. So I have no idea what I've said on any <laughs> there is, podcast. There is some audio out there somewhere, whether it's on this podcast from earlier, something you'll hear months and months down the road where we gave the offensive line some some love so uh a lot of a lot of zoom recordings going on here with uh with our cleveland icon folks all right uh i appreciate everybody that jumped in here and uh joined us for our uh texter tuesday edition of the podcast and uh for doug and mary Kay, thanks for listening and if you heard this and you're like hey i want to get in on that text 216-208-3965 to start your 14-day free trial. Thanks for listening, everybody.